Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Keith, welcome. How are you today, pal? Okay? Nice to have you with us. I'm, I'm doing great. Getting a little uh, recharge here in the All-Star break and um, getting ready for the second half of the season. Do you think, Keith, let's do that real quick. You think the Mets have a big run in them or not? I Every team has a run in them in the course of a season, whether they're they're good, mediocre, or bad. And, um, you know, if, it's just going to be – it's going to lay on the arms of Scherzer and Verlander. Uh, if they don't do it, then it's going to be difficult for them. You know, it's an old pitching staff, an older pitching staff. Uh, Verlander's 40, and I think he's pitched great. Scherzer's had his problems with the grip and his slider, but he's still got eight wins. Um, you got Carrasco, who has pitched okay, but he's 36 years old. Uh, you know, they got they got to get um, they got to get some pitching going. The starters haven't gone deep, and it's been attacks on the bullpen. And you know, you got the Two, two pretty good rookies in the lineup playing every day. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to win with rookies. Makes it tricky, and they're a ways back. Um, I'm sure you, you gave all great quotes to Mike. It was a great story in the post today on that 88 team. You won two titles. You were the linchpins of St. Louis, and obviously the same thing with the Mets. You could have had the third. When you look back at your career, does that 88 year still sting? Well, of course it stings. Um, I said in the article I didn't have a good feeling about going into the postseason. We had beaten the Dodgers 11 out of 12 that year and pretty much dominated them. Um, you know, before the playoffs even start, we lose Ojeda. Bobby uh, uh, chops his, almost chops his finger off. Um, you had David Cohn, who was really second, I think, in Cy Young. Was, uh, with, uh, I think he won 20 and only lost four or three games. And uh, did that that article on Jay Howell going into game two, and uh, they were all over him. So a lot of things um, that shouldn't have happened happened, and it was kind of like uh, I just like that everything was lining up against us, and we still had an opportunity to go up three to one with Dwight on the mound, just three outs away from going up three to one, and that series would have been over. But that's why you play the game. Uh, we'll get to that with Sosha in a sec. Let's talk about you being injured. I did not remember that where you oh, went first. You, you do. You went first to third, and you think it really precipitated uh, your decline and maybe in a lot of ways ended your career. You were playing well. You were great in 86, good in 87, still really at the peak of your powers. And then you went to first to third in a single in 88 and got hurt. Tell us about that. Go ahead. Let me hear. Well, we were in St. Louis. Uh, I believe I was on first base. And <clears throat> Daryl, I was just feeling good that night. It was a night game. It was hot in St. Louis. It was midseason. Uh, not midseason. I'm sorry. It would probably been late May or, or early June. I'm not sure. And uh, the base hit up the middle. Willie McGee had a great arm. And I just felt really good. I had I got a good jump on the base hit. And I knew I was going to, if I went first to third, it was I was going to challenge Willie. If it had been any other team than St. Louis, Willie's a dear friend, I probably wouldn't have done it because I probably would have been thrown out. But I just felt good, and it was in St. Louis. 
And lo and behold, around my third step, around uh, second base, uh, uh, going away to, on the third, it pops, and I went down. And I wound up missing a good portion of the season. And that was really the first time I'd ever been hurt in my career. I'd never been on the – back then it was called the DL. Uh, I had never been on the DL in my entire career for 13 years, and uh, this was the first time I was on it. I missed a lot, and uh, when I came back, uh, you know, when you have a leg injury, I don't care. You you really can't build up the stamina. I came back in July, I believe, and it was just it was it it wore me out. I was I was a little bit older. I think I was 34, 35, and. I just didn't have the stamina. I wasn't able to build up the stamina. So, um, but anyway, uh, it, it, it all turned out uh, good that season, except to the very end. You know, it's funny. Cone was quoted there too, Keith. Keith Hernandez, always a pleasure to talk to him. It's a rarity when you get him on. He's so he's so good with the baseball. But Cone made a good point. He said the problem with the '88 team, which we didn't know that much at the time, is that our two best players, our cornerstones, were old. And, you know, I never thought of it that way because I thought the Mets were great in 88. You had that great finish. You buried the Pirates in the regular season. But you yep. and Gary Carter were, were aging. And it's hard sometimes when your two best everyday players are older players and they're fighting through injury. In a lot of ways, that kind of what happened with that ball club. How about that? Well, I don't, you know, your two best players. I mean, we had Daryl Strawberry. Uh, we had um, Kevin McReynolds, who both, finished, uh, I think, two and three in the MVP balloting that year. I thought one of the two of them should have won, not Kurt Gibson. Uh, they had better seasons. Um, but it was, uh, you know, the two veterans that were keystone that were more to the team just because of their, their uh, I guess, gravitas, uh, the, how, what, what we meant to the ball club. I mean, I miss a lot of the mid-season. I've been looking at today ever since I got a phone call from your guys. We went from June to August 21st, Chris. We went 37 and 37. And after a great start, a month of April and May, and then we turned it on. I remember we were in on the West Coast. We were floundering. We're having a – we just got out of San Francisco and got swept in San Diego. So we were one and four on the road trip. Uh, David Johnson's mom got ill, and he flew back home, and Buddy Harrelson took over the team in L.A. We're in L.A. before we're getting, we're just about getting dressed, ready to go out, and he calls a team meeting, and Buddy says, uh, I'm, so I'm taking over the team right now until David comes back, and I've made a decision, and Lenny, I'm sorry, but we're, I'm going to play Mook, Mookie every day, Mookie Wilson. And this was to Lenny Dykstra. Well, Lenny went off sulking. And Mookie proceeded to have just be the catalyst for our team. He went out that night and got three hits. And uh, Mookie hit for the final. Uh, I think it was we finished up twenty nine and eight, and we were three and a half games in front of the Pirates at the at that meeting. We wound up winning the division by fifteen. And Mookie hit three seventy six with twenty three runs. He just he was our catalyst. You know when he got hot. He was inspiring and, and uh, motivational for us. So we kind of turned it on there. I always felt that in 88, Chris, that uh, our team was starting to pull apart a little bit within. Lenny was unhappy about not playing every day. When he came up, Mookie was the consummate professional. 
and accepted the platoon role. And then Lenny, uh, with his success, I mean, Lenny was had tremendous postseason numbers, particularly in 86 and with Philly. Lenny wanted to play every day, was griping about it. And then finally Mookie got fed up and said that he wanted wanted to go and uh, he wanted to play every day and was willing to get traded. Um, so we were kind of pulling apart. Carter and I were aging. We had superstars in Strawberry, a budding superstar in Hojo. McReynolds was a superstar. And we just started pulling apart from within. There wasn't the cohesion that we had had since 84 through 87. And I went into that playoff really worried about it. Which you said, which is fascinating. And you're going to base that, Keith, to a, a party on the fact that over a 74-game period, you only split the 74 games, half a season, you went 37 and 37. That's a good job on your part looking that up. I did not know that because the Mets won 100 games that year, and who the heck wins 100 games going 70, 37, and 37 for 74? That Mets team did that in 88. That's not very good. You're 100% right. Yep. Yep, the finish was phenomenal. We just killed people. We had uh, two five-game winning streaks. We had an eight-game winning streak. We just turned it on. And maybe, you know, Pirates were Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds coming up. That uh, Andy Van like that team was coming. They were young, and they were coming and hungry. And we played them a series in late July, a four-game series, and we beat them three out of four in New York. Then we went back in August or September and beat them three out of four in Pittsburgh. And that pretty much uh, put a dent in them. But we kind of, maybe we felt, you know, okay, we were that good and that we just, okay, we got challenged and we let the league know we're the best team and no one's going to come after us. are going to get ahead of us. So we knew, but going into this playoff, even though we beat the Dodgers 11 out of 12, we knew their pitching staff was solid. Hershiser won the uh, Cy Young. He broke Drysdale's uh, scoreless streak. It was the best he ever pitched that year. I faced, I faced him. He pitched against us four times, and it was the best he ever threw his entire career. He had a little more on his fastball than he normally had, and it made a big difference. That's why he had such a great year. We've talked about it, Oral and I. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, we, were, uh, we didn't take them for granted. They beat us with their pitching. That's what did it. I mean, we got we had the we had the one game. The big turning point was losing with Doc on the mound, losing game four at home. Uh, but their pitching, they had a great bullpen, and they had a good, good, good starting rotation. You know, pitching is the name of the game in a in a short series. And let's not forget, you made you alluded to this in those days. You rotated home field, best of sevens. You had the better record. You had four games in L.A. Start there and end there. That isn't easy either. Discuss that. That's a good point you made today. Go ahead. Well, Phil, when it was you know the team with the best record, uh, there was only two divisions, so you can really compare. Uh, it's not like today where you've got three divisions and the two central divisions are weak. And if you have one strong team in that division, that division can dominate. I mean, look at the Cardinals. Uh, they're in that week central, not this year, but the years past. And they were good teams. Uh, but uh, you had a good barometer with the two divisions uh, of who, who was the best team and had the best record deserve home field. We didn't get home field advantage in the playoffs against uh, Houston in 86 because there was a um, – uh, the Houston Oilers were playing a game that uh, – and we had to 
they had to switch it because the NFL, the Oilers had a game that would have conflicted. So we had to go to Houston and beat them. Play, you know, we didn't play four games there. We played three, but it could have been four. But anyway, that's the way. I, that's the break. The Dodgers deserved it, and I was just really thrilled when they went and represented our National League and swept the mighty Oakland A's. No, they embarrassed them. They beat them badly. Uh, two themes on the 88 uh, series. The first one, you win game one off beating Jay Howe, and then the young Cone, who called it my worst moment, and you said if I would have knew what was coming, I would have told him not to do it. Ghost wrote, wrote a story with Bob Clappish and basically mocked the Dodgers all over the place. And if you know Losorda, he used that to no end, and it helped the Dodgers. Hey, look at that. The Mets are laughing at us because they came back in the ninth inning of game one, and here's their young brass pitcher saying that our closer stinks. That's the last thing that Losorda needs when he's an underdog to begin with. And you uh, hinted today that if you were, you know, knew what was going on, you would have stopped it. Discuss that, Keith. I thought that was interesting, too. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, David was going to do what he was going to do, um, and he's regretful for that. Um, uh, and I, you know, it's not the reason why we lost the series. I do. They, I understand that the sort of pinned up the article in the clubhouse for everybody to see. And, uh, Tommy, very vociferous, as you know, uh, you know, leading the cheerleading. And I mean to tell you, I'm at first base in Dodger Stadium, and their their dugouts on the third. They got the third base dugout. I could hear Lasorda from the minute that David took the mound and took his warm up in the bottom of the first inning. They were woofing him like I have never seen a bench get on a player. And David, uh, I think, <laughs> felt guilty and remorseful, and he just got his butt kicked. And uh, that even the series. Now, if that had, article hadn't happened, would David have been knocked out in the second inning? I don't think so. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. He redeemed himself by winning, a, pitching a great game, uh, game six, to take it to seven, where we just, or where Hershiser beat us in game seven. All right, that's the first storyline. You win game three in the rain, Jay Howe with the glove, the whole bit. I remember that well. And then game four, 4-2, four uh, and you left Carter on third base in the ninth in game four. A run there would have helped in the bottom of the eighth after he tripled. But top of the ninth, you got Myers in the bullpen, who's a very, very good closer. Davey, right. leaves, Davey leaves Gooden in there, which you had to do in those days. Today, that wouldn't happen. In those days, you leave the starter in. Doc is still Doc. He walks Shelby. Doc was quoted by Vaccaro today. That's the worst bat I've ever had in my life. That threw two-pitch fastball to Shelby. He's going to drive me to my grave. And then, of course, Sosha, knowing that Doc wants to get ahead, throws the first-pitch fastball, hits it out of the ballpark. Those two at-bats are, are tremendous, famous. You analyze hitters well. Explain those two at-bats for the fans. They want to hear. Well, Go ahead. I can't, re- I can't remember every pitch, but Shelby had a hell of an at-bat. He was 0-2, worked the count to full, and uh, got the walk. It, I, I can't recall the check swing, if, it, if he swung or not. I, I can't recall it. Um, but he, it, with the umpire ruled a no swing, and he got on base. Now, I'll tell you this. Vaccaro didn't use this in his article, and I was surprised. I was just in Detroit uh, earlier in the year. We were playing the Tigers, and uh, I run into Kirk, Kirk Gibson's working, and we're chatting before the game. And Kurt Gibson told me we had Doc's pitches. 
And I said, oh, really? And I had heard this before. And I forget who told me. Maybe Oral told me. But I didn't tell me what it was. <clears throat> and Kurt, I can't recall. I wish I could. Doc did something with his eyes, a movement of his eyes, when he threw the fastball. And when he threw the or or vice versa. So either way, you knew what was coming. And so, so she is not going to tell the world. Uh, I, it's my estimation that, my judgment that um, he knew what was coming and the fastball was coming and um, uh, he jumped on it and give him credit. I mean, they needed a two-run home run to tie the ball game. And he had three home runs all year. And that was his fourth. And that, that was just a killer. Did anybody second-guess Davey for not bringing the lefty Myers in in that situation, Keith? No, that's your that's Doc on the hill. Are you kidding? You go nine with Doc. You go nine with Coney. You go nine with Darling. Yeah, so, you know, that's back in the day of the complete game. Those guys closed out, and Doc certainly did. You, you're going to take out uh, Whitey Ford in the ninth? No. You're going to take out Seaver no. no. in the ninth? No. Carlton? Wait. no. No, 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 you're not. Now, did you feel the air come out of Shea when Sosha's running the bases? No, I did not. I always, uh, it, was a, it was a big blow, and it was like, it was a similar home run that Daryl hit off Nolan Ryan in the playoffs, that humpback line drive right over down the right field line. That when Ryan was beating us in, uh, I think it was five, game five or game four, I'm not sure. Probably five. Five. We beat him in, uh, yes. And we had a one nothing lead, and Daryl hit the home run to tie it. And it was a similar home run, a humpback line drive that just didn't get down and just got over the fence. And um, it went over my head. I remember. I remember going, oh, crap. Guys just kind of get down ball. and um, uh, But it didn't. Uh, what was the big blow was losing in the extra innings. The game went on in extra innings. And uh, Gibson beat us with the home run to center field. That was a night game. It won extra innings. It was rain and cold, and the field was sloppy. And whoever won that game was going to get a big shot in the arm, and the other, the team that lost was really going to have to pull up their, their socks a little bit higher and get ready to play because the next day was a day game. So it was a short night, a late extra inning game, and uh, they uh, wound up beating us on that, going up three to two, um, in uh, in that series. And then we had to go back to LA to win, and had to had to take two. So that was really the turnaround of that series, right there. Was that was those those two home runs that that uh, beat us that night. I remember I was at game. I was out in the left field pavilion for WMCA covering game five. Rick Dempsey had a big game. I think it, I think the Dodgers won seven to four. I did not remember uh, before we uh, ask you one, one here at the end of it. Uh, I did not remember the bunt that you discussed well, with Vaccaro in the top of this, in the bottom of the second inning in game seven. Cone wins game six. It's three games apiece. He does a great job, Cone, in that game. The Mets win going away. I don't remember. It was one nothing Dodgers early in the game. Darling starts for the Mets. This is 88. I right. don't remember this bunt. First and second, you were the best defensive first baseman any of us ever saw. What happened on this bunt? For some reason, I don't recall it. Um, Alfredo Griffin was the hitter. Uh, he hit 
under 200 that year, so he was hitting ninth. And I wasn't with the pitcher behind him. It was runners on first and second, nobody out. And Griffin got in the box, and I was unsure with the pitcher up next if they were going to bunt or not. And I couldn't really play it aggressively because what are you going to do, bunt him over, what, for the pitcher? Uh, coming up behind him, which was Hershiser. Uh And I don't recall the sequence. I don't know what the count was. But I remember Alfredo Griffin took one step out of the box, kept one foot in, and looked at me, and I was playing on the cut of the grass and then got back in the box. And I misinterpreted that, that he was going to swing and try to pop one by me. So I backed up a couple steps. And he turned around and bunted. What his plan was, he was going to try to get me uh, – I was. he saw me aggressive. I guess he didn't see me move back two steps. He tried to bunt it over my head. He, he did a, a pop-up on purpose. He tried to hit it over my head, and which was a pretty gutty move in a playoff game, in a game seven, with a guy hitting under 200. And he popped it up. And I remember I just – froze the ball wasn't that high i could have let it drop the runners couldn't move i could have thrown the third hojo could have thrown the second and maybe we get a triple play with griffin out of the box maybe and i feel to pick the ball up off the ground and i didn't even make the play to first base i don't just the biggest the worst play of my career it loaded the bases I don't know what Hershiser did, but I remember Sachs came up and got a base hit up the middle, and they were on their way to routing us. So I feel very responsible for that. Wow, how about that? Um, now, the Mets, you know, a lot of franchises, they feel they need to win that second championship to stamp them. I mean, I know the Orioles did in the, early, in the late 60s. They lost the bookends with the Mets and the uh, Pirates, beat the uh, Reds in between. I know the A's feel that way. They beat the Giants but lost to L.A. and they lost to Cincinnati. You, right. the, the Braves, only got the one title after all those dominant years. They got to feel that way. Does Keith Hernandez feel that way with that great Mets team only having won one championship? You know, I, uh, we've had one of, we had one of the greatest years in professional baseball history with our 108 wins. <clears throat> There's only around... 16 teams in the history of the game that won 108 games or more. And we're in the same group as the 27 Yankees, the, the 31 Philadelphia Athletics, the Baltimore Orioles in the 60s, uh, the Cincinnati Red Machine, something to be very proud of. Uh, I don't feel that uh, we underachieved. And really, 87 is the one year that sticks in my craw, Chris. We uh, started the year with Doc going into rehab. Uh, and then right the week before spring training, Roger McDowell gets appendicitis, has to go for an emergency operation. We miss him for a month as well as Doc. Uh, at, in 87, we lost all of our starting pitchers at one point, sometimes two. We had such a great offense that Frank just called up AAA pitchers, uh, you know, Mitchell, uh, Edens, we were running triple-A pitchers out there and still winning in 87. And, uh, you know, down the stretch, that big series in Saint, uh, at home against St. Louis, they came in on a big, long losing streak. They were ready and ripe for it. 
and we beat them the first game. We had them down with Darling in the second game, three to one, four to one in the seventh, and swinging bunt by Coleman and Ron goes and picks. The, he was our best pitcher down the stretch. Ron picks up the ball barehanded and tears a ligament in his thumb. He goes out. We wind up losing that game on a home run to center field by Terry Pendleton in extra innings. And then we come back and beat them the next day, take the series. We're in first place by a half game. But that rejuvenated them. They went on from there to Philadelphia, and they proceeded to win the next uh, 19 out of 23 games, and they, they won the division. We had them right on the ropes. And I just feel that if they'd had their injuries too in the course of the season, uh, they lost Tudor for a while. But we lost all of our starters, and i got to believe we would have had another year where in 87 where we would have won 108 games, maybe more. And that is the season that bugs me so much to this day. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, 82-86, they both equal to you, the titles, the rings? Or does one mean a little more? Well, 82, the, we had, the Cardinals hadn't won since 67. A, uh, it's quite a long time in all that Cardinal tradition. My first World Series, my first experience, and uh, my first World Championship, it's very special. Uh, in New York, with the Mets after the Seaver trade in, what, 77, right? And, 77, uh, yep, 77. Yep. And, the, the, you know, the, the really the dark wilderness years. And to be a part of that, to come over in 84, and well, 83, I came over second half, but we won't count that. I mean, but 84, my first season, and really the third season to win a championship and bring it back. And uh, really probably the most uh, successful, as far as wins are concerned, uh, successful uh, decade in that history. I mean, we averaged in that, run there 84 to 89 we averaged 97 wins a year with the one title wow that's a great chance oh, well story. one title two two divisions one title yeah yeah, great story today by Vercaro. He set the whole thing up, and you, of course, are absolutely superb. Good to talk to you again. Stay healthy. We'll watch you on the TV. Maybe the Mets make a run, and we'll keep in touch. Appreciate a few minutes here today, Keith. Always a pleasure. Uh, same here, Chris. Anytime. Just I'm a phone call away. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.